everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you are listening to Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics, the podcast where we talk about all of that and more. I am a registered nurse with 20 years in the labor and delivery trenches. I'm a writer with a few books in stores, including my latest brand new book, Mom's Side of the Story, which you can buy over on my website, jeanfaulkner.com. I also wrote Common Sense Pregnancy and co-wrote The Complete Illustrated Birthing Companion. So, as you can tell, I'm kind of passionate about talking about this spectacular time in life when women and men are being transformed, when they go from being one person, an individual, to being someone's parent. And let me tell you, that gives us plenty to talk about, doesn't it? My apologies right off the bat. They're doing some roofing work right next to my studio, so nothing I can do about that. I hope they don't overpower us. Oh, what's been going on? <clears throat> Let's see. This month, I uh, went over to iTunes and checked out some reviews, and um, mostly everybody's liking this podcast of ours, but somebody gave me a one star for talking too much about politics. He or she tuned in for the common sense pregnancy and parenting part of the conversation, but got a little bit upset about the politics part. Well, honey, we tried to warn you. That's why we call it common sense, pregnancy, parenting, and politics, because there's a lot of politics that goes into it. There are political, corporate, systemic, and cultural factors that deeply, intricately, seriously impact our pregnancies and parenting. And if this past week in politics hasn't been enough evidence of that, well then folks, maybe you just haven't been reading the news. However, in the interest of giving this poor listener a little break, this week I'll steer away from the politics and focus more on the other two P's, pregnancy and parenting. Uh, let's see. So back in, I think it was back in December, episode 144, we met Corey, a young woman who emailed us after discovering she had placenta pre previa. And we talked about what that means with our favorite midwife, Chris Beard. So we've been thinking about Corey since then. You know, I knew she must have had that baby of hers by now, and I've sort of been wondering how everything turned out with her. Well, Corey finally got back in touch with us, and um, it was just a little while back. And I thought that her birth story was one we really ought to share. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and reread Corey's original letter today, just so you remember who we're talking about. But then I also recommend you go back and re-listen to episode 144 so you get all the backstory. Back then she wrote, Hi Jeannie, I have been listening to your podcast for a while now and I thank you for all of your insight when it comes to pregnancy and birth. I was released from the hospital yesterday after a bleed on Monday thanks to my complete placenta previa. I was diagnosed with the previa at my 20-week appointment. As of yesterday, I am 25 weeks and just praying this baby will keep cooking as long as possible. When I first learned about the previa, I did a quick search and couldn't find a podcast you had done on it. I know it's not the most common condition, but I thought I would let you know that a longtime listener of yours was looking for some more information on this. You probably don't want to unnecessarily freak people out by speaking on this condition, but there is a lot of talk about preeclampsia, and I have never been anywhere close to having high blood pressure. 
So I have to believe there are some women like me out there that could learn more about their previa from you. As a side note, I feel very lucky to be in the position I am in. My mother is a retired labor and delivery nurse from St. Mary's Hospital here in St. Louis, St. Louis, Missouri. To say I had the VIP treatment during my stay would be a complete understatement. She chose all my nurses and has my midwife and now my maternal fetal medicine doctor on speed dial. I just hope that you can offer some similar comfort to someone in my situation that may not have all the tools or knowledge I have right now. Please let me know if you decide to do an episode on this. Thank you for your consideration, Corey. So we answered Corey's email and gave lots more information about placenta previa back in that episode in December 144. And it turned out that Corey was right. Lots of women wanted to know about that topic. And that episode was downloaded a lot, a lot of times. Um, so I recently got that follow-up email from Corey and I learned the rest of her pregnancy story. And I thought, you know what, let's get Corey on the podcast and hear it directly from her. So that's who we get to talk to this week, right after a quick break. Okay, we're back and we are ready to get Corey on the line. Hi, Corey, it's Jeannie. How are you? Hi, Jeannie. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing really well. Great. So it's really nice to talk to you. We've been talking about you on the podcast for a little bit since December. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was so excited to hear my email um, over your podcast. I've been listening to you for so long, and I appreciate everything you you put out there for for not just women, men as well. And um, yeah, you're, you're an awesome lifeline for people. (laughs) <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I really yep. appreciate that. It's always, it's really nice to yep. hear that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, your situation was, you know, there was a lot of stuff to talk about there. Um, and I don't think that we give the placenta as much attention as we really should. People think of it as, you know, it's the afterbirth, the afterthought. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's yeah. everything. It's so, so, yeah. so important. And it's just a freaking miracle that I don't know what the percentage is, but most of the darn time, the placenta does exactly what mm-hmm. it's supposed to, exactly where it's mm-hmm. supposed to. Um, and when it doesn't, it's a big totally. deal. So that's that's what we're going to talk about today. But <sighs> we, you know what? We did it again. We jumped right into the conversation <laughs> and I didn't get to start at the beginning. Okay. So okay. let's start over. First of all, where where in uh, the country Louis, are Missouri. you? Midwest. Oh, yeah, cool, cool. Yep. So then the big question, you know, <laughs> it's coming is this. Who are you and what do you yes. do? I've heard so many of these. I was excited to answer. Um, my name is Corey Neely. I'm born and raised in St. Louis. I'm married to amazing Tom Neely, almost four years now. I'm new mother to Thomas James Third. We call him Trip. And um, I'm a Christian. I'm a civil engineer. I work for St. Louis County Department of Transportation. And I will be soon saying goodbye to maternity leave, unfortunately. And I guess on my downtime, not that there's a lot left, but I do enjoy yoga and bike riding. And most recently, very long walks with my baby at the witching hour. <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. the witching hour for you guys? Five yeah. to seven? Six. Yeah. Six and six to eight kind of. Yeah. He's pretty fussy. So. Yeah. 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 That's, <laughs> you know, 
<clears throat> it's like that for parents all over the world at that same time <laughs> it's of day. It's crazy. It's so crazy. And you, yeah, I'm always thinking about these kinds of things in terms of like, you know, the profound circle of life where <laughs> at the other end of the life spectrum, a lot of um, seniors, especially seniors that have dementia issues, have a really hard time with those hours too. And they call it sundowning. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Sundowning. Oh, I've never heard of yeah. that. Amazing. Yeah. And I've just, huh. I don't know. There's something to that. There could be, you know, it's a weird time of day for everybody. Everybody's shifting <laughs> mm-hmm. gears. The light changes, you know, mm-hmm. it's a hard mm-hmm. time yep. and babies the world <laughs> over pick up that vibe and scream it out. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I feel kind of sorry for, um, you know, in traditional families where mom is home with that baby and dad is at work and then he comes home right. during the witching hour when generally mom has a freaking had it. <laughs> I used yeah. to do that. He'd walk in the Didn't door. pass off. Yes. Yes. Here, you take him. Yes. Then it, it actually had to turn into like a marriage moment where, mm. yeah, you can't actually meet me on the sidewalk. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I get to cross the threshold, take off my jacket, then pick up the baby and go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, we, um, you know, have, we read your letter, I think it was back in episode uh, 144, um, and talked quite a bit about your circumstance then. Um, and then I just read it again, you know, before picking you up on the phone, just to refresh mm-hmm. the memory and for, for listeners who are just picking us up right now. But I'd like you to sort of give me the short story of, tell me the story of your pregnancy before you realized you were having some complications. Sure, sure. Um, Nothing too crazy. I will add that I did have a miscarriage early on um, last year. Mm -hmm. And so I had a DNC in May Mm -hmm. and then found out I was pregnant with this pregnancy in July Mm -hmm. and basically just had the regular pregnancy symptoms and did all the research I could on pregnancy, birth, being a mom. And I guess it wasn't until the 20 week appointment, we saw that there was a low line placenta, the ultrasound um, tech saw it. And so with that, my midwife told us, you know, it's pelvic rest. Now there's a possibility for bleeds. Um, Lots of cases resolve on their own, but if it, the placenta doesn't get out of the way, it is a C-section for sure. Yeah. And, um, it's one of those circumstances where there's no, there's no getting away with anything else. That's just it. There's no, yeah. 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 Which my heart sunk because I've been listening to you for so long and C-section's kind of the bad word. I mean, it's not, but it's overused. It's overused. A little bit. It's overused. Exactly. Yeah. And so when I heard that, I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, you know, do I have a choice in this? And she's like, no, it's a Mm -hmm. (laughs) C-section. You you can't have the placenta come out before the baby. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, it is. Some, that's, you know, a big part of acceptance and surrender. That is what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and in some ways, you know, could it be just a little bit of a silver lining that it is one of those clear cut cases? I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, to coin a phrase, so uh, phrase, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I at least knew what was coming. Yeah, um, yeah. If so it what, didn't move. So when you learned that you had previa, did you know anything about it in advance, or did did it just kind of not, come out not, of nowhere for you? Not really. I think I had heard the word previa before, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, with just so many different complications, until you have that. 
you're not paying that much attention to it, I don't Mm -hmm. think, unless, you know, of course, in your field or someone um, that knows about it and sees it all the time. Um, So no, I really didn't know much about it at all. And we kind of left that appointment, not too worried, I would say, you know, Mm -hmm. um, she, and I was talking to my mother-in-law about this, who's the retired labor and delivery nurse I told you about. And she was like, yeah, I wonder if she just was going to wait till the next one to see if it kind of moves at all. And that's why she didn't really want to make a big idea out of nothing yet and didn't want to, you know, scare us or worst case scenario. That does happen. Exactly. And a lot of the ones, so, um, there's marginal and then there's complete. And so a lot of the marginal, which means it's just covering a little bit of the the cervix um, can move out of the way. And so mm-hmm. like the next day I texted her and I was like, Hey, by the way, is it complete or marginal? And she did say it was complete. Mm-hmm. So with that, I was like, Oh, well maybe the odds aren't that great of it getting out of the way. So, yeah. Yeah. but I asked about travel and she was like, yeah, no big deal. Go take your ba- baby moon. So we did. At 24 mm-hmm. weeks, um, we went to Arizona, um, Sedona, and Grand Canyon. And hindsight, 2020, I mean, it rained half of our trip. We only hiked maybe half a day. And mm-hmm. I got back that Monday and went to work and bled. And so oh. I can only imagine if I was in Arizona, away from family, away from my doctor, midwife. Oh, and, that would have been scary. Yeah. So I think it was probably meant to be, honestly that yeah. I wasn't yeah. hiking in Arizona. Yeah, that would have been a scary yeah. situation. Yep. So at that time, were your healthcare providers generally helpful? Were they scary? Yeah, were they no, they weren't. Informative? They were They were not scary at all. It was just my midwife, basically. And um, like I said, she kind of just told us what could happen, but um, kept it pretty light and just said no strenuous activity. But otherwise, you can... Go ahead with your normal life, except with pelvic rest. Um, yeah, and so yeah, AKA listeners who <laughs> don't know what pelvic rest is yet, it means nothing goes on down yeah. there. Nothing in, nothing, nothing in near, vagina, yes. nothing exactly. happening down there. Yeah, yeah. bummer. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Some some baby moon. Right, huh? I know, <laughs> I know. I was like, oh great, we get to go to this awesome baby moon and just. Hold hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. It. yeah. So, what happened that led you to be hospitalized okay. during your yeah, pregnancy? Yeah, so it was um, Monday afternoon after we got back from the trip, and I bled at work. Drove myself to the hospital, kind of, you know, I was freaking out. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if I was losing the baby. I didn't. <laughs> I, they don't really tell you when a baby is viable. I didn't even know that answer. I didn't know a 24 week baby was viable because you don't really look that right. up when you get pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was admitted, I went to labor and delivery right away and stayed for three days and they released me on a Thursday. And that's when I originally wrote into you. And so mm-hmm. I thought, I'm like, okay, I'm good. Well, the following Tuesday I went in with another bleed and I was released after a week in the hospital and the following morning went in again for the third. And I listened to your um, podcast with your midwife friend, Chris, and she kind of said the three strikes you're in. Well, that's kind of what they do at our hospital too. And so three bleeds you're, you're in for the long haul. So, yeah. um, Yeah. And then that third time, how many, 
How many weeks were you then at the third strike you were at? Um, 25. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that is a tough time to be admitted to the hospital. Cause that's scary. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, you could be looking at, if you go to your, go to term, you know, 13 to 15 more weeks in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Well, and so since they pretty much realized it was complete and probably not moving, um, they weren't going to go past 37 weeks. It would have been a C-section at 37 mm-hmm. weeks, but then they found the VASA oh, previa. Okay. <laughs> so we haven't covered VASA okay. previa. So um, do you want to go first um, on that? Just I can. Yeah. I was diagnosed with the VASA previa. Yeah. It was the third time going into the hospital. And I guess the different MFMs, the maternal fetal medicine doctors, the high-risk doctors, um, They kind of all look at different ultrasounds and one was looking at mine and caught her attention. And she was like, I think that might be a baby vessel. And sure enough, it was. So the placenta was really weird. It had a couple lobes. So part of the placenta was covering the cervix as well as one of the vessels that was going to the baby. So if that caused a bleed, that was much more serious because that's blood going to the baby. Um, and so yeah. that's another reason why I just felt so much safer just being at the hospital, being right, a, you know, a corner away from the OR because that's how quick I would need right. to get there. And it was amazing. Yeah. Every time the doctors would ask you, oh, do you live far? And they weren't making conversation. They were asking because if you lived past 15 minutes, you might lose the baby. <laughs> so right, uh, scary yeah. stuff. That's a scary yeah. place to be. But once you were in the hospital, what was it like I mean, for you? I, like I said, I was just much more comfortable being there. I mean, bleeding at home is scary. You know, I'd rather bleed in the hospital bed where I can call my nurse and people rush in and help. So I, I felt mm-hmm. much safer there. And, um, you know, People would say things, oh, I hope the time passes quickly and all that. But I wanted him in as long as humanly possible. I, you know, I I didn't want our time to end because I wanted the development to happen as much as it could inside of me. So. Wow. Yeah. Well, tell us about. Oh, yes. So I get that was 32 weeks and two days. Um, It was Saturday evening. I. Uh, my husband had just gotten back from work and I had a bleed that early evening, like six or seven o'clock. And, and you were yes, still in the yeah. hospital. It had been right. like seven yep. so weeks. So I was at then. 32 and, mm-hmm. yeah. yep. And, um, yeah, they, they came in and it, I could tell the bleed wasn't quite stopping as, as quickly as some of the other ones. And the fact that I was past 32 weeks, the doctors felt was amazing, which it is for sure, but it's still 32 weeks. It's still eight weeks early. Um, so they, they gave me the option. They, they, they felt that we should go ahead and go with a C-section. That way it could be controlled. It wouldn't be an emergency rushing down the hall. They could prep me and I could be awake for it because if it's, if it's emergency, you're getting rushed out and you're getting put out. So, yeah, so that part was great. So I was able to be, you know, there for the birth um, and, and it, it didn't yeah. have the big alarm bells going off. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I see real advantages to that, to make a, you know, to go into it with a sense of 
reassurance and control. Like we know what's going to happen here and we know how to manage it as opposed to, you know, exactly what the heck is our outcome going to be? It can be. Yeah. 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 And every week going by the risks kind of outweigh the benefits. And so, um, you know, we get to 28 weeks and, you know, woohoo, we were at 28. Okay. Now 29, now 30. And then one, once you're at 32, they, the doctors really are like, why are we even risking this mm-hmm. anymore with um, some of the not so great outcomes yeah. that could happen? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the C-section went well. I, I lost two liters of blood and I did not need a blood transfusion somehow. And it, um, he came out great. I mean, I got to kiss him before getting kind of whisked off to the mm-hmm. NICU, but um, got a picture and yeah, I, it went as well as could have been expected. All right. So. And how did you feel? How did you feel about that? Um, I think I was relieved we were done with the hospital, but I was just, um, pretty stressed about what was yeah. to come because, um, with the hospital stay for so long, I had gone up to the NICU many times to meet with, meet with them and talk about, um, baby's development at different mm-hmm. weeks, um, premature mm-hmm. babies. And I talked with the lactation consultant multiple times, um, trying to figure out, you know, when my baby might be able to go to breast and different stuff like that. Um, and I had no idea. They're really not very strong on the breast until 35 weeks. So I automatically knew that my baby wouldn't really be able to breastfeed right yeah. away. And so there were just a lot of stresses to, um, start out with, I guess I, I knew our road was just beginning, you know, the time, my time in the hospital was the easy part. It's going to be, okay, let's get this baby home and, um, make sure he's developing correctly. How was your, how was your surgical recovery? How did you feel after having the surgery? Um, Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I guess the one thing is they say, you know, with any surgery, Oh, take some downtime. Like, well, if you're going home with a baby with C-section, good luck on that. You know, you're taking care of a baby. And then for me, it was, I was up at the hospital every day. And so I think, yeah, moving around a lot more and um, just walking a lot more. I probably shouldn't have been walking as much, but you do what you got to do. I wasn't. Yeah, you got to get from um, the parking lot to the baby. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And luckily, I mean, they, I, I didn't know this, but you can't drive after a C-section for a couple of weeks. So I had our moms driving me back and forth from the hospital and home. And, um, but that way they could pull me up right to the door. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't too bad. I, the, definitely the first couple of days, like, or even the first day you think you're kind of okay. And then everything wears off and you're like, oh my, oh my stay on God. top of those yeah. meds. <laughs> I know. Cause the, the anesthetist yeah. gave you some medication that blocks a lot of yeah. for the first 24 hours, Duramorph. Yes. Yeah. That's a yes. miracle drug. So <laughs> a lot of women, they come yeah. out of their C-section and go, I killed it. That was great. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. I don't need yeah. anything. Just give me a plain Tylenol and a Band-Aid. That's all I need. Yeah. And then yeah. day two comes and they go, what? <laughs> yep. Yep. I know. Yeah. It's like they need to have like a toilet that's like a foot higher yes. for people yes. that just had a yeah. C-section because you don't have any idea how many abdominal muscles you use just to, I mean, laugh. Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> my husband and brother-in-law would come up to the hospital. I'm like, you cannot make me laugh because <laughs> <laughs> it hurts so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know some listeners are saying, what? You can't drive after you have a C-section? Yeah. And there, there's yeah. a couple reasons for that. And they're pretty common sense things. One is that a lot of women are taking, you know, some level of pain medication and it that can right. alter your perception. But the other more... The other reason that applies to all women is because of the pain factor and because Mm -hmm. so many muscles and nerves have been disrupted down there that it takes a good chunk of time before they heal. And so what Mm -hmm. if you're driving along, you got your foot on the gas pedal and all of a sudden a kid and a ball run in front of you, you're in pain and yet you still Mm -hmm. have to pull your foot up and slam it down on the brakes. That hurts. That hurts. Yeah. Yeah. And and we learned the correct ways to go because we have a lot of potholes on the roads that we normally use. And so we went way out of our way a lot of times just to use highways because yeah. Yeah. You'll learn the worst roads when you have a C section recovery. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff you don't know until you have a C section. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So your baby went to the NICU. How long how long was he there? He was there about three and a half weeks. Wow. So, so, okay. He was born at 32 and he got out at 35 and a half. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. I bet that was the longest three weeks of your life, huh? Yeah. And I think for for that, it was like, well, I knew we weren't going to go past 34 weeks with his birth. Mm-hmm. So when we got the NICU, they couldn't give us a time. So at least I had an end in mind for his birth, but for the NICU, it was kind of like day to day and you just felt like you were never going to get out. Yeah. And then you would see people come with their car seats and you'd get jealous and be like, we're never going to leave. And so did I he know- need pulmonary support? He needed. Yep. To- yep. He was all of that. He was on a CPAP and um, <clears throat> needed his giraffe bed and needed feeding tube, of course, for a mm. while. And mm. then um, I guess what they always say is the feeding is what takes the longest. So mm. he got off CPAP pretty quick and got to a normal bed fairly quick. And it was really the taking enough feedings because mm. that that kind of a baby just gets exhausted eating. They, they yeah. end up burning up all their energy just trying to suck a bottle down. So Yeah, I tell, I tell parents to get a cough drop and just keep it in your mouth and suck it as hard as you can. And that's all you're going to do. Just just do that mm-hmm. and see if your jaw doesn't get tired and then see mm-hmm. if your neck isn't tired. And mm-hmm. you're a grown-up who has, you know, muscles. Right. <laughs> and yeah. practice. Yeah. yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're trying, I mean, those babies are trying to develop on the outside too. You know, they're yeah. not they're not meant to be sucking down bottles yet. Those muscles aren't developed yet. So. Right. So you got to bring Trip home at 35 and a half weeks. And yes. then how was that for you? It was awesome. We were so happy to just not have to be at the hospital yeah. every day. We were so sick yeah. of the hospital. Um, it was just great to just be family of three and just be home. Um, Cozy in, cuddle yes. in. Yes, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. Were you? Did you feel confident when you got home that you knew what to do? Um. Yeah. I, I did. I think, I mean, I've had nieces and nephews and, um, I always said I was more worried about sort of breastfeeding than, um, taking care of a baby because I mm. could always do that. And, you know, in the NICU, they, 
they encourage you to take care of the baby while you're there. And so we would be there for many of the feedings during the day and we would change him and check his temperature and do all those things. So we got very used to taking care of him. Um, Mm -hmm. And once all the cords were off, it was even easier to change a diaper. So, yeah. So how is breastfeeding for you? (sighs) It, it was rough. And, um, he never really got it, you know, and I worked on it with him from that first week and basically got to around his due date and he, he, he would latch, he would do it, but he, I don't think he was getting very much. So then I'd have to bottle feed and then I'd have to pump while Mm -hmm. I have a screaming baby. And it was kind of triple duty. And I got to a point where I'm like, I'm ready to snuggle my baby before I go back to work. And so, yeah, Something's yeah. Something's so I'm exclusively yeah. pumping now. Um, mm-hmm. It is not what I planned on, but was anything of this what I planned on? Yeah. No. So, yeah. well, the kid, your yes. little guy. We got, we got a very healthy yeah. baby out of it. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And he's getting breast milk. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Great. Yep. Fine. Yep. Exactly. Just fine. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And, you know, breastfeeding can be hard enough if, all the variables are perfect, but totally yeah. there are full-term babies that have many issues breastfeeding. Right. So yeah. for me to expect, you know, the sun, moon and stars, but I think I was just, I just, I got to a point where I'm like, I just feel gypped, yeah. you know, I was just like, all of this kind of happened and I know things are worse for a lot of other people, but I just had a, a rough experience. And then for another thing to not go how I envisioned, I was just like, not fair. You know, you just throw up your hair, throw up your arms and are yeah. just like, Ugh. well, in return, you're going to get an exceptional child. That's almost always the way <laughs> yes, back. Yes. Except yes. talented, incredibly good looking, yes. Um, yes. really good dancer. Yeah. He's going to be a yes. great dancer and he's probably well, I think funny. You, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I saw, I think you saw those chipmunk cheeks. So that's, all, that's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it always balances out. And, and yeah. of course, natural brilliance. That's yes, given. of course. That's I know. I know. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of women, you know, we, we all come to our births with expectations of what it ought to be and what it should be. And then some of us get smacked in the face with what is. And mm-hmm. there's a big um, temptation for many women to think that we caused this story to deviate from the norm. Something we did mm-hmm. meant that mm-hmm. we didn't get the ideal. And, you know, we're sort of enculturated to think that if we didn't get the perfect, I, I heard somebody call it <laughs> the perfect Barbie birth, um, <laughs> then, yeah. then it's because we did something wrong. And the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is, is that what you have going on is, you know, family history from two different people. You've mm-hmm. got a healthcare system. You've got a body that's doing all kinds of different things. You've got so many variables and factors going on that there's no way to control this, really, Mm-mm. except yeah. for to do the best you can given what you've got. And then yeah. y- you go into it saying, all right, bring it. I'm ready yeah. for however this child of mine needs to be born. And yeah. you own it. And thank yeah. God, you were in the situation you were in because otherwise you would not be here with us. No, I know. I know. That's why I always think about before ultrasound. And I mean, 
you talk about the olden days dying from childbirth. Well, that would have been me. <laughs> oh, not olden days. It's happening in countries all over the world. All over oh, the world. Women are sure, dying. Sure, sure, sure. All over the world. And it's because of things like this. Sure. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. So <clears throat> what else what else do you think listeners should know? Um, I think, yeah, kind of what you were just talking about is you just got to be flexible, you know, um, with everything you do. I think that you have to claim your birth as a success, you know? Yeah. Reframe it. Yeah. Oh, totally. The narrative Mm -hmm. back that, you know what, you totally survived what, yeah, what could have been unsurvivable. Mm -hmm. And and you know what, you, you did so gracefully because I can hear it in your voice. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. I think you get to a point where it's like you just, you know, you do what you have to do for your baby and right, you know. Right. My mom would have done it for me and my and yeah. my mother-in-law, so Yep. You do the thing that's put in front of you and then you do the next thing. That's how mm-hmm. you do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you ready for our rapid fire roundup questions? Um, I think so. <laughs> I've got a surprise one for you. Uh oh. This is one I've just recently added to the mix. Oh my goodness. Okay. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> what role does feminism play in your life? Yeah, um, that's an interesting one. Um I guess I would say just how thankful I am for choosing the partner I chose and choosing the workplace I chose. Um I mean, my partner's just been amazing for me, you know, slept on a bench for eight weeks in the hospital with me and has done everything 50-50 from day one, if not more, um, because he's at work and feeding throughout the night. And so I think just um, having a really strong base um, for this whole thing called motherhood, because you can't do it on your own. You can do it on your own. I couldn't do it on my own. Um, you could. And, <laughs> you could. I, and, I, I don't wish that for you. I hope yeah. you don't have to do it on your own. But yeah, um, yeah, you, yeah, you could. Yeah. And then, like I, like I just said, choosing a workplace that is truly family first. And even if they don't have some amazing paid maternity leave, um, which most places don't, um, just you know, I went into my boss's office and I was a little worried telling him I was pregnant because I knew um, my maternity leave would be going into our busiest season. And he was like, oh, please. He's like, family first. He's like, this is all secondary. It, you know, you, you you become a mother and you that's what's important. And so yeah. I think finding um, just a great support system has been huge yeah. for me. Yeah. What will it be like for you when you go back? Is it a full-time um, situation? Yeah, yeah. And I, I can work flexible hours, which is nice. Um, the first couple of weeks, I'm going to do 30-hour weeks just to kind of get my feet wet and figure out this whole whole new life. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, then it'll be back to my normal. Um, I do I do nine-hour days, so every other Friday I'm off. Nice. So that'll be nice to that'll do work. a trip. Yep. And have you guys figured out the daycare situation? Yeah, yeah. Our our moms are going to take some time, and then we have two days at daycare. So. Oh, that is ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're lucky. Grandma, grandma's yep. to the rescue. You are lucky. Yes. You are lucky, yes. Corey. You're really lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. 
Okay. How would you feel in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. <laughs> well, and I had already thought about this one and I know we kind of touched on it, but really just how truly not in control you are in life and pregnancy and everything. And so I listened to the podcast. I did a lot of research on my own in preparation for pregnancy and birth and becoming a mom. And it all helped. Don't get me wrong, but it did not decide my fate <laughs> whatsoever. And so I think the sooner you realize that someone else's control, the happier mm -hmm. you'll be. Yeah. And just not comparing yourself to any other situation and just focusing on the task at hand. Yep. That's a really, really smart way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Yep. So where are you in the world of motherhood right now? Well, right now I'm trying to find some sort of routine with my, I guess he's adjusted three weeks now mm -hmm. um, and getting ready for the daycare, grandparent time and going back to work and working on bonding and understanding his likes and dislikes and um, finally um realizing or understanding the love my mom and my mother-in-law had for me and my husband because it's amazing um just they how much they were there for us um and how much I love my son now um it's yeah. just unimaginable sorry <laughs> yeah I know and mm -hmm. they love you that much still, mm -hmm. and which is why they're willing to do anything. Yeah, anything yeah. you want, babe. Yeah, Nothing they were up at the hospital every yeah. single day. They're, you know, yeah, yeah. anything, I anything know. we needed. So I know <laughs> it just keeps on going. Yeah, I know for not for <clears throat> all, you know, mother-child relationships in adulthood, but for many of us who count ourselves very lucky, we're still in the position where our kids will call us and we can go and we will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Corey, it has been really wonderful to talk to you. Yeah, you I too. Really You've been sharing your story with us um, since December. Yeah. And it's really, it's lovely to hear kind of how the story ended at this point. But then, you know, I bet you and I will talk again down the road about how things are going, you know, with daycare mm -hmm. and how adjusting to all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be that. curious to hear, you know, what happens for you next. Cause I think, you know, if you've listened for a while, you kind of have heard a theme resonate for people that a whole lot of creative juice comes out of this period of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. To see where you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, I thank appreciate you having me on and, you know, hopefully my story can resonate with someone out there. Yeah. I bet it's going <laughs> to. Yeah, yeah. All right. Good. We'll talk again. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Jeannie. Bye-bye. Okay, that's it for this week, folks. Our guest today was Corey Neely. To hear more about, to learn more about placenta previa, download episode 144. I'll also put a link to that episode in this week's blog. So head on over to my website, jeanfaulkner.com, to learn some more. Also, while you're over there on the website, go check out our new shop where you can get yourself a little cup of common sense. Plus, your very own copy of Mom's SOS, Mom's Side of the Story. Uh, email me at gene at genefaulkner.com. Tweet me at Gene Faulkner. 
Let's see. We are Common Sense Pregnancy over on Instagram and Common Sense Pregnancy Parenting and Politics over on Facebook. Go find us and send me your questions and be sure and share this podcast with your friends and your sisters. Common Sense Pregnancy Parenting and Politics is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. We'll talk again next week, folks. Bye-bye. If you're looking for easy ways to feed your family, I've got you covered. Hi, this is Liz Weiss, dietitian, mom, cookbook author, and host of the Liz's Healthy Table podcast. Tune in for healthy recipes, expert advice, and a big helping of fun. Come find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the Parents on Demand Network, or over at my website, Liz's Healthy Table.com.